Chapter 19, Christmas Eve It had snowed all day and soft, large flakes were still falling. The winds were quiet so that the snow lay deep on the ground, and Pa took the shovel with him when he went to do the evening chores. Well, it's a white Christmas, he said. Yes, and we're all here and all well, and it's just a merry one, said Ma. The surveyor's house was full of secrets. Mary had knitted new, warm socks for Pa's Christmas present. Laura had made him a necktie from a piece of silk she found in Ma's scrap bag. Together in the attic, she and Carrie had made an apron for Ma from one of the calico curtains that had hung in the shanty. In the scrap bag, they found a piece of fine white muslin. Laura had cut a small square from it, and secretly Mary had hemmed the square with her fine stitches and made a handkerchief for Ma. They put it in the apron pocket. Then they had wrapped the apron in tissue paper and hidden it under the quilt blocks in Mary's box. There had been a blanket striped across the ends in red and green. The blanket was worn out, but the striped end was good, and from it Ma had cut bed shoes for Mary. Laura had made one and carried the other, seaming and turning and finishing them neatly with cords and tassels of yarn. The shoes were hidden carefully in Ma's bedroom so that Mary would not find them. Laura and Mary had wanted to make mittens for Carrie, but they had not enough yarn. There was a little white yarn and a little red and a little blue, but not enough for any color to make mittens. I know, Mary said. We'll make the hands white, the wrists red, and blue stripes. Every morning while Carrie was making her bed in the attic, Laura and Mary had knitted as fast as they could. When they heard her coming down the stairs, they hid the mittens in Mary's knitting basket. The mittens were there now, finished. Grace's Christmas present was to be the most beautiful of all. They had all worked at it together in the warm room, for Grace was so little that she didn't even notice. Ma had taken the swan skin from its carefully careful wrappings and cut from it a little hood. The skin was so delicate that Ma trusted no one else to handle that. She sewed every stitch of the hood herself, but she let Laura and Carrie piece out the lining of scraps of blue silk from the scrap bag. After Ma sewed the swan's down hood to the lining, it would not tear. Then Ma looked again at the scrap bag and chose a large piece of soft blue woolen cloth that had once been her best winter dress. Out of it, she had cut a little coat. Laura and Carrie sewed the seams and pressed them. Mary put the tiny stitches in the hem at the bottom. Then on the coat, Ma sewed a collar of the soft swan's down and put a narrow swan's down cuffs at the sleeves. The blue coat trimmed with white swan's down and the delicate swan's down hood with its lining as blue as Grace's eyes were beautiful. It's like making dolls clothes, Laura said. Grace will be lovelier than any doll, Mary declared. Oh, let's put them on her now, Carrie cried, dancing in her eagerness. But Ma had said that the coat and the hood must be laid away until Christmas, and they were. They were waiting now for tomorrow morning to come. Pa had gone hunting. He said he intended to have the biggest jackrabbit in the territory for Christmas dinner, and he did. At least, he had brought home of the very biggest rabbit they had ever seen. Skinned and cleaned and frozen stiff, it waited now in the lean-to to be roasted tomorrow. Pa came in from the stable, stomping the snow from his feet. He broke the ice from his mustache and spread his hands in the warmth above the stove. Phew, he said. This is a humdinger of a cold spell for the night before Christmas. It's too cold for Santa Claus to come out. And his eyes twinkled at Carrie. Oh, we don't need Santa Claus. 
We've all been, Carrie began, and then she clapped her hand over her mouth and looked quickly to see if Laura and Mary had noticed how nearly she had told secrets. Pa turned around to warm his back in the heat from the oven, and then he looked happily at them all. We're all snug under cover anyway, he said. Ellen and Sam and David are warm and comfortable too. I gave them an extra feed for Christmas Eve. Yes, it's a pretty good Christmas, isn't it, Caroline? Oh, yes, Charles, it is, said Ma. She set the bowl of hot cornmeal mush on the table and poured out some of the milk. Come now and eat. A hot supper will warm you quicker than anything else, Charles. At supper, they talked about other Christmases. They had had so many Christmases together, and they were happy again, all together warm and fed. Upstairs in Laura's box, there was still Charlotte, the rag doll from her Christmas stocking in the big woods. The tin cups and the pennies from Christmas in Indian territory were now gone, but Laura and Mary remembered Mr. Edwards, who had walked 40 miles to Independence and back to bring those presents from Santa Claus. They never had heard of Mr. Edwards since he started alone down the Verges River, and they wondered what had become of him. Well, wherever he is, let's hope he's as lucky as we are, said Pa. Wherever he was, they were remembering him and wishing him happiness. And you're here, Pa, Laura said. You're not lost in a blizzard. For a moment, they all looked silently at Pa, thinking of that dreadful Christmas when he almost had not come home, and they feared he never would. Tears came to Ma's eyes. She tried to hide them, but she had to brush them away with her hand. They all pretended not to notice. It's just thankfulness, Charles, Ma said, blowing her nose. Then Pa burst out laughing. That was a joke on me, he said, starving to death for three days and nights and eating the oyster crackers and the Christmas candy, and all the time I was under the bank of our own creek, not a hundred yards from the house. I think the best Christmas was the time there was the Sunday school Christmas tree, said Mary. Yours too little to remember, Carrie, but oh, how wonderful that was. It wasn't really as good as this one, Laura said, because now Carrie is old enough to remember, and now we have Grace. There was Carrie, the wolf didn't hurt her, and there on Ma's lap sat the littlest sister Grace, with her hair the color of sunshine and her eyes as blue as violets. Yes, this is the best after all, Mary decided, and maybe next year there'll be a Sunday school here. The mush was gone. Pa scraped the last drop of milk from his bowl and drank his tea. Well, he said, we can't have a tree, for there isn't so much as a bush on Silver Lake, and well, we wouldn't want any anyway, just for ourselves but we can have a little Sunday school celebration of our own, Mary. He went to get his fiddle box, and while Ma and Laura washed the bowls and the pot and set them away, he turned the fiddle and rosined the bow. Frost was thick on the window panes, and frost furred the cracks around the door. Thickly against the clear upper edges of the window panes, the snowflakes fluttered, but lamplight was bright on the red and white tablecloth, and the fire glowed behind the open drafts of the stove. We can't sing so soon after eating, said Pa, so I'll just limber up my fiddle. Merrily he played down by the river on the Ohio, and why chime the bells so merrily? And jingle bells, jingle bells. And then he stopped and smiled at them. Are you ready to sing now? The voice of the fiddle changed. It was going to sing a hymn. Pa played a few notes, and then they all sang. The fiddle's voice wandered away. Pa seemed to be playing his thoughts to himself, but a melody grew out of them and throbbed softly until they all joined in and sang. Through the music, Mary cried out, What's that? What, Mary? Pa asked. I, I, I thought I heard listen, Mary said. They listened. The lamp made a tiny purring sound and the coals softly settled a little in the stove. Past the little space above the white frost in the windows, falling snowflakes twinkled in the lamplight shining through the glass. 
What do you think you heard, Mary? Pa asked. It sounded like, well, there it is again. This time they all heard a shout. Out in the night, in the storm, a man, a man shouted and shouted again quite near the house. Ma started up, Charles, who on earth?